Hi, this is Yitz Greenberg, and I'm about to read to you my Dvar Torah on the Parshat HaShavua of Chai Sarah, the title of which is, quote, The Torah Came to Make a Mensch, close quote, which is a form of reflections on the discovery of Rebecca. This Parsha contains the single largest narrative unit in the five books of Moses. It's the story of Abraham's servant, Eliezer, and his mission to find the right wife for Isaac. I should point out here that I call him Eliezer. He isn't called by any name in this passage, but he is traditionally understood to be Abraham's servant, Damesic Eliezer, who is described in Genesis 15.2. He sets out to find a woman who is by descent a member of Abraham's family, and by culture not steeped in the local Canaanite ethic, because only such a person would be the appropriate woman to become the mother of the next generation of covenant keepers, the second matriarch of the people of Israel. Somewhat puzzlingly, for a Torah that is often laconic in giving over laws and commandments, this telling stretches over 67 verses. This includes Eliezer's own retelling to Rebekah's family of his journey and his encounter with her, which the Torah has already described, just as it happened. With a touch of irony, one Midrash rolls its eyes at this expansive and repetitive treatment. Apparently, says the Midrash, quote, The routine conversation of the servants of the patriarchs is more beautiful to the Holy One, the Blessed, than the Torah of their descendants, because in contrast to the repetition of Eliezer's report, quote, the laws of Shabbat are like mountains hanging onto the Torah text suspended by a hair's thread, meaning there's only a hint or an extra letter or word in the Torah text pointing to this vast corpus of laws. So why is there this extended retelling? The answer lies in a different question. What is the Torah's main goal in giving over to us its complex mix of laws, commandments, institutions, history, and personal narratives? In the 19th century, Rabbi Israel Salanter asked this question. Salanter himself founded the Musa movement to renew Judaism from within. He drew on the Musa tradition a literature going back to biblical times focused on human character development and ethics. This tradition stressed the Torah's implication for personal life, for spiritual meaning and the spirit of Jewish observances, and the importance of internalizing one's relationship with God and introducing the virtues prescribed in the Torah into one's own personality. Salanter said that the Torah's main goal was to develop an ideal human being. In one of his most famous sayings, he stated, quote, The Torah came to make a mensch. Salanter insisted that the Torah was not primarily seeking to train people in religious observances, as important as they are, nor was it adequate religiously to learn the vast, diverse corpus of rabbinic sources. Rather, the Torah sought to create a human ecology, out of its mix of story, narrative, observances, experiences, guidelines, and community building, a human being would grow. This human would be of good character, ethical, caring, 
not ego-driven to stand out, but motivated to be kind and helpful to others. This human would relate to God and therefore be humble and aware of their limitations. This person would be inner-directed, connected to people, but not needing to curry favor at the cost of principles or values. The Torah's stories, commandments, wisdom, instructions, and ways of living all were intended to nurture a good human being with reverence for God, for fellow human beings, and for life itself. So to Salanter and his students, the point of the Rebecca narrative was self-evident and absolutely correct. What should Eliezer be looking for in the woman who would exemplify the teachings of the covenant? What qualities would enable her to transmit them and inspire the next generation to carry on the chain until Tikkun Olam would be achieved? The answer is not physical beauty, not wealth or superior genealogy, not even wisdom or piety. The primary quality to be sought out was kindness and caring, so ingrained that she would respond to a thirsty stranger's request for water to drink. And although she had to work hard to gather sufficient water, she naturally and instinctively volunteered to draw more water again and again to sate the travel-weary camels and livestock as well. The Torah drives this point home by telling and retelling Eliezer's thinking and considerations. Now, there are rabbinic commentators that criticize Eliezer's judgment. He should have first checked out Rebecca's family background, which he knew was a major concern for Abraham. He should be been concerned that the unknown woman might prove to be haughty or a social climber who arbitrarily on a whim did this one favor. Indeed, it would be wise to follow up on all the other issues. But given that the Torah is a covenant of chesed, that is, love, caring, human solidarity, striving for a better world, given that Eliezer had his priorities straight, having a strong character imbued with kindness, caring, and generosity, was and is the top primary signal of fitness to be a matriarch of this covenant. Salanta pointed out that becoming a mensch would not be a casual outcome of Torah study and practice. He called for people to set aside time and energy to develop their character and internalize their values. Reading and analyzing and drawing the lessons of the Torah stories was as fundamental to this development as mastering the legal literature. He quoted the traditional dictum that, quote, Maase avot siman labanim the acts and experiences of the ancestors, as told in the Torah, are meant to be a signal and guide their descendants to live the good life. See, for example, Breshit Rabbah, chapter 40, you are assigned to your children. So the Torah and Talmudic figures should be studied as role models, including learning from their mistakes. Salanter and his students developed special personal development methods. They set up a list of character traits and values needed to be a good human being. Qualities such as kindness, responsibility for others, patience, inner tranquility, self-criticism, perseverance, and energetic pursuit of the good. Some students would concentrate on one quality one week at a time. 
During that week, they would make a special effort to track every time the virtue came up and honestly assess to what extent their behavior matched the desired goal. Some students formed a circle of friends who evaluated and gave feedback to each other on their traits and values. The point is, it takes awareness and much effort to become a good human being, even with the help of a good tradition. Conversely, without the effort, one can end up observant or learned, yet lacking goodness, fairness, or concern for others. Salanter insisted that it was worth a lifetime of effort to achieve becoming a good human being, and one should try to educate everyone in the community to this central goal. And even if I do not succeed in getting others to that level, then it is reward enough if I improve myself, and even if that improvement is only a little bit. So by modeling ourselves on Rebecca, on Moses, on Ruth, on all the biblical heroes and heroines, we seek to realize the Torah's primary goal of making a mensch. Or as Salanta said on another occasion, quote, they say the Maharal, that is Rabbi Judah Law of Prague, took some clay and fashioned the miraculous golem to protect the Jewish people. That would be a great miracle. Yet it is an even greater miracle to take any individual, a limited flesh and blood mixed trait human being, and turn them into a mensch. The story is reported in Ephraim Zeichik, Sefer Marot HaGadolim, Jerusalem, page 129. I should have it for those of you who are interested in following up more on Musar and Salanter. See Emanuel Etkes' book, Rabbi Israel Salanter and the Musar Movement, from 1993. The classic expanded treatment in Hebrew of Salanter is in Dov Katz, Tenuata Musar, the Musar Movement in Judaism, in its new edition, printed in 2015 in Jerusalem, Volume 1, which is totally devoted to Salanter himself. Albeit this book is somewhat hagiographic, it has a lot of rich material. In Israel, there is to this day a cluster of Musar yeshivot and great teachers of Musar in 20th and 21st century idiom. And in the United States, in recent years, there has been a grassroots efforts to revive the Musa movement for our time. See the work of Ira Stone, his best book, A Responsible Life, The Spiritual Path of Musar, which was published in 2013, or Alan Morinis, of many books I would cite his Everyday Holiness, colon, The Jewish Spiritual Path of Musar, published in 2008. Rabbi David Jaffe, a young contemporary exponent and grassroots developer of Musar, and his book, Changing the World from the Inside Out, colon, A Jewish Approach to Personal and Social Change, printed in 2016. And Justin Pines, who has not yet published his first book, but who can be reached at the internet, justinpines at gmail.com.